Girlfriends, episode number 55, Kids in the Kitchen with Katie Kimball. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we're talking about Girlfriends Live, Sinuses on a Plane, The Wonders of Excedrin, decluttering after the holidays and teaching kids to eat and cook healthy with Katie Kimball from Kitchen Stewardship. Hey, girlfriends. Glad you're here. Thanks for showing up for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Hope you had a good weekend. It's early Monday morning here after a painful Steelers loss last night. Around the third quarter, I started baking cookies just so we could have something nice come out of the evening. If you're a Patriots fan, congratulations. Um, But we'll be rooting for the Falcons in the Super Bowl this year. So um, I'm excited to tell you about Girlfriends Live. I was talking with you last week about Google Hangouts, which isn't a thing anymore. I just can't keep up. So um, it's actually on YouTube. It's the same thing as Google Hangouts, but it's a hangout on YouTube, which is YouTube Live or whatever they're calling it. Anyway, um, I'm going to be doing this this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to spend about a half hour just chatting with people who support the Girlfriends podcast. So if you're interested in taking part in that, getting an invite is easy. All you have to do is sign up to support this podcast on Patreon. For as little as a dollar an episode, you can get a pass to the hangout with us girlfriends and we will have a blast. I'm open to whatever topics you want to talk about. If you have questions to send them to me ahead of time, I would love it. So that's this Wednesday, January 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Those of you who support this podcast on Patreon, uh, we'll get a an email you know, notifying you of that and giving you a reminder shortly before it begins. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, how that works, how Patreon works, you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends. And I really support I really appreciate the support from people who um, are supporting the podcast in that way. It means the world to me, and it really makes a difference in being able to produce this podcast, in encouraging me to put out the podcast week after week. That's what makes the difference is people who are really willing to encourage me in that way. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash girlfriends, and I'm looking forward to talking with you this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, maybe you can still hear it in my voice. It's that time of year. And I was getting sick when I recorded the podcast last week. It has been a full week of real illness. I mean, gosh, this was a nasty thing. It wasn't the flu. So I'm not going to really cry about it. But it was a nasty virus with fever and body aches. And it just went to my sinuses as I am wont to do. Oh my gosh, I had to be on a plane twice on uh when was that last week? Tuesday, I went to Chicago for a meeting for my work, you know, going there and back in the same day. Wow. Um, I forgot that it hurts a lot when you are congested on a plane. Honestly, once we landed that plane, I, I was afraid to look around because I thought my ears must be bleeding how bad they felt. Anyway, I've been taking any and all advice about sinus care um, because I am desperate I mean, I'm feeling a little better now, but there were times last week when this pressure, the sinus pressure and the headache it caused was just, it was horrible. I was non-functional because of it. I ended up taking a little bit of sick time off of work 
And then I had to travel again last Thursday. And I just really felt like I am not putting in 100%. You know, I had meetings that I had to attend and it's just really not feeling well. So I'm feeling much better than that. Um, but it's a lingering thing with a headache. I told you we're going to talk about Excedrin. Well, here's what I need to say about Excedrin. It is a miracle drug. I, I don't care what you say. I am I am more than more than ever as I'm in my 40s here looking to like natural cures, natural care. I find that a lot of the ways that we sometimes artificially feed or treat our bodies isn't the best. And so I've been very cautious about taking medication, even through having this cold, only, you know, taking decongestant and that sort of thing. If I really was miserable and I thought it would help and just being careful about how much of it I was taking. Whereas in the past, I, you know, if I was sick, I, I never thought twice about popping pills. But anyway, um, this sinus congestion caused a migraine, which I don't tend to get. God bless you people who get migraines on a regular basis, because it is so difficult to even function like you can't like if you have a serious headache you know um and i get it like i you know i know people who do suffer migraines kind of chronically and they it does it's completely debilitating to them for for days at a time and i never really quite got that i'd be like you know oh i mean yeah i've gotten headaches before but that's kind of like you know those women i mean if you get real pregnancy nausea and there are women who are like, oh, yeah, I, I had that too. Like one afternoon I ate lunch and I just didn't feel right all afternoon. And, and then I was burping a lot or whatever. Like, no, that's not pregnancy related nausea. Like, <laughs> really, the stuff that puts you flat on your back, you know, and, and, you know, not to be exclusive about who gets to call themselves what or who gets to say they suffer from what. But, you know, migraine headache sufferers, you have my respect because on it was early yesterday morning, early Sunday morning, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and what woke me up was the pain from this headache, horrible pain from this headache. And I thought, okay, I need to take an Excedrin because that's helped me in the past. The The rare occasions, I really don't get migraines very often, but I know them when I feel them. And um, so I was going looking for Excedrin, didn't have any, you know, four o'clock in the morning and it's like freezing outside. And I went out, I even was looking in the cars to be able to, and then getting to one of my work bags that I thought might have Excedrin in it. We had no Excedrin and we live in the boonies. Like we don't have a 24 hour pharmacy just down the road here. So I had no options really, except to lie in bed for like three hours trying to sleep, but there was no chance I was going to sleep and just sweating from the pain of this headache. and. Until like, you know, 730 in the morning when I knew a convenience store would be open and I just drove out. And yes, I could have gotten Dan up and he would have been glad to go and get it for me. But he was sleeping so soundly, I would have felt bad. And I was wide awake with pain anyway. So I went out and got Excedrin at a, a gas station, took it, and within half an hour was feeling human again. Not that I could fall asleep, mind you, because Excedrin has a hefty dose of caffeine in it. That's part of its magic elixir, I think. Um, but anyway, um, if you have sinus remedies, I would love to hear them. I've been trying lots of different things. I, I think I am pretty well cleared up now, but I want to have 
different kinds of remedies in my arsenal for the future. Um, I already do the neti pot thing, which, you know, is, I, it was weird to me at first and now it's totally normal. I'm like, why doesn't everybody do this? Um, uh, but some people have recommended different kinds of essential oils and whatnot. I'm not a big essential oils person, but I will, I will try anything. So if you have uh, sinus remedies, also, if you experience migraine headaches and you have something to share on that topic, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com or give me a voicemail, record a message and share it with me on Vox or whatnot. I would love to hear from you about the different things you're experiencing there. Also, last week I mentioned my You're Worth It retreat that I've been working on that I'm excited about. I shared with you a little bit about the content of that. And I've heard from a number of you. So I'm really excited to be working with you. I still have like two spots that are potentially open in March. But beyond that, I'm working into the late spring, early summer for booking dates. Even if you're looking at the fall, I had um, one lady book a fall date for a retreat. Um, I'd love to work with you. If you want to know more about this particular retreat, which is based on themes and my book, You're Worth It, which recently came out from Beacon Publishing, you can go to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. If you want to know a little bit more about the vibe of the retreat, what kinds of themes, it's all based on my book. So if you contact me through that retreat page, I will be happy to send you a complimentary copy of my book so that you can check it out and see if it might be a good fit for you, for your community, if you want to bring it to your pastor and see if it might work for your, your church or your diocese. I would love the opportunity to work with you. I am really excited about this project and really looking forward to the good fruit that it's going to be bearing in the coming months. I also finally, finally got my tree down. Um, yeah, I didn't quite make it to the baptism of our Lord, but uh, it was time. I was feeling so cluttered. And no, I recognize a lot of you did this like December 26th. <laughs> because if you put up a fresh tree early in December, of course, you're going to need to take it down by December 26th. It's like dead, man. But um, we got ours up late enough this season that it wasn't an issue. Like the tree was still very green and fresh and the, the needles weren't really falling at all. But I just felt like I needed to have a little more space. I needed the Christmas stuff as much as I loved it when I first put it out and loved, you know, gussying up everything and having knickknacks and doodads and candles and calendars and whatnot everywhere. I was so ready for it to be gone. And um, I did spend some time after work on Friday taking down the tree, which is no small task. The worst part is the wrapping up of the lights. You know, I... <laughs> My husband always complains about putting the lights on. Well, I'm very quietly suffering the taking the lights off and trying to keep them orderly and pack them away. But um, I did do that. Felt so good. And I was so inspired um, because I always feel this way after we take down the tree. You probably f experience something similar. It's kind of like that old folk tale where the person, you know, the wife thinks their house is too small and the husband keeps bringing in all the different farm animals to live with them. And then in the end of the story, he takes all the farm animals out and their house feels spacious. That's kind of what it feels like when I take down our giant tree, this 12-foot tree, and get all the stuff put away. It just feels like fresh, clean space. And you know what it made me realize was that's a really valuable thing that we can do for ourselves if we're feeling down, if we're feeling unproductive, if we're feeling distracted or frazzled and stressed. I think part of it is our environment. It definitely influences how I feel about my day, about my life. I realized, you know, so many times, like I'll be at the end of a busy day, exhausted, you know, trying to clean up the kitchen just a little bit before I go to bed and just feeling like, Ugh, I'm just going to wake up to this mess tomorrow morning. And not that I am a super neat freak. Do not get me wrong. You know, ask my mom 
who had to deal with me as a teenager um, or ask my husband who cannot figure out why I cannot properly make a bed. Um, I'm not one of those super neat freak people. Cleaning is not really part of therapy for me, but in a way it can be in that the results really feel like therapy to me that I ended up, you know, clearing space, you know, having a little more room in my living room, in my kitchen, uh, in the dining room by putting things away from Christmas. And that really felt so good that I decided to tackle over the weekend one of my biggest clutter spots, which is a cabinet, which is right inside the front door where everything gets dumped. And yep, it's convenient. And so many things get piled up on there. But I realized how much how stressful it was even just to look at that space. And I spend a lot of time in my kitchen and there it was, you know, always staring at me, this giant pile of clutter. So I cleared that off over the weekend, got a basket for the inevitable things that end up going there, um, put those in there, and then set a little lamp on the spot. My family was so shocked. I had this little lamp, which is cute, and it matches some of the other decor in our house. And I set it up on that cabinet. Not that we even need light there, but I thought, this makes it look clean and cozy and intentional in this space. And no guarantees, but people will be much less likely to dump all their garbage on top of a lamp, I'm hoping. Or they'll they'll at least feel guilty about it when they do it. And I'll be motivated to remove the stuff or have them remove the stuff. Anyway, that gave me so much joy and peace just having that little space over the weekend. So I just wanted to share that in case you're feeling cluttered, claustrophobic, stuck in the house, cabin fever, whatever it is, do a little something like that. Pick a spot and clear it out and see if it does not improve your psyche this winter. And now I can't wait to share my guest with you. Katie Kimball from kitchenstewardship.com is sharing all about natural living, being a good steward of our resources, of our energy, of our talents, and of teaching our kids skills in the kitchen. I know you're going to love Katie, so check it out. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to have a wonderful guest who's joining us here on the show today. Katie Kimball is here from Kitchen Stewardship. Katie Kimball is a Catholic mom from Michigan who has shared her journey to real food and natural living for eight years at kitchenstewardship.com, a blog that helps families stay healthy without going crazy. Along with her four children, she created the Kids Cook Real Food e-course to help other parents teach their kids to cook so that they too can get a little break and raise healthy children who can eat their vegetables. The course serves 4,000 families from six continents and over 10,000 kids are learning to cook. That's amazing. Welcome to Girlfriends, Katie. I'm so glad you're here. I'm thrilled to be talking to you, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I know we connected once before on The Gist, my, my TV show with Catholic TV, but that was like a seven-minute segment or something. So <laughs> I'm hoping we can have a little more time to kind of dive into some of these topics that I know are so close to your heart. Yes, love it. Thank you. Yeah, so let's start with your start. Kitchen Stewardship, you know, that blog you've been working at for eight years. What was what was the inspiration behind it? What do you mean by Kitchen Stewardship? You know, the idea kind of percolated in my head as I was standing in the kitchen making food, um, which which only became the norm after I had my first child. Like the, the responsibility of feeding the tiny body really hit me hard. And that was when I started learning about food and nutrition and switching over from like hamburger helper to, <laughs> you know, from scratch meals and, you know, making my own baby food. We were on a real tight budget at that time um, as a single income family. 
And so making my own baby food had multiple purposes, both Mm -hmm. the nutrition and the, like, this is way cheaper than buying the little jars. Um, So, I mean, you know, I was spending a lot of time standing up in the kitchen and trying to figure out how to best maximize my time. And I found my brain often thinking about conversations I was having with other moms at Bible study or just friend groups and whatever. And I felt like a lot of us were feeling the same tension. Mm -hmm. We were being pulled in different directions of like, I need to watch my budget but I can't do everything from scratch all the time because I don't have enough time and I really kind of want to eat organic. But every time I try to do that, then the budget gets killed. So it was like we were like on this torture rack and every right. limb was being pulled in opposite directions and we're all getting stretched really thin and going, how can we make this work? Um And the more I thought about it, the more this idea of like being good stewards of all our resources at once came to mind. And I thought God wouldn't ask us to be good stewards of everything if it was impossible. Right. You know, there's there's got to be a way. And, you know, so the idea of kitchen stewardship is just that we've been given all our resources, whether it's our, our families, you know, our physical bodies, our, our great earth, the environment and the, you know, budget, time and everything that he's given us. They're all resources from God. And so how do we as Catholic moms, Catholic wives and mothers or whatever, um, be stewards of all of them at once without going crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so, the key. I love that you added that in your bio because there's so much information out there. It's hard to weed through. Oh, my gosh. There's Everyone is telling us all the time that something's going to kill us. <laughs> <It's> like, <I> know. <laughs> you know, you can literally drive yourself nuts trying to do it all. And so my goal was really to help moms give themselves some grace Mm-hmm. And, you know, understand that we can only do so much. And so I talk a lot about baby steps, about doing, you know, one thing at a time and just celebrating the fact that you're doing this little tiny thing today that you weren't doing yesterday. And that's a positive, you know, you're right. moving in the right direction. Um, and also, I really try to highlight on Kitchen Stewardship the the tasks or the choices you can make that have the most impact in the most areas, right? Mm-hmm. The things that don't take much time, that do save money, that do help the environment and that are healthy for your family. If we can like get them all at once, then those are the things you focus on first. Oh, great. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. Like, let's say someone's a total newbie. She's still using that hamburger helper, kind of doesn't want to be, um, you know, or whatever that is in her life, whatever equivalent yes, yes. of hamburger helper. Um, what would you say to her? Like, what's that first step? What is? What are some basic things that people can kind of grasp onto and like start there? Yeah, well, so homemade chicken broth is one of my favorite things because it's literally making something out of garbage. Uh-huh. Like you cannot get more frugal than that. You know, you take your chicken bones and really buying bone-in chicken is more economical already than buying your boneless, skinless chicken breast. So you buy bone-in chicken, any kind, throw the bones in a pot. You put in your ends and your leaves of your celery that you'd throw it anyway, your ends and your peels of your carrots, your skins from your garlic and your onion, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally all garbage. Right. Cover it with water. You boil it for some hours and it's broth. You add some salt. That's it. Like you're done. And so, and that can really help. I think, um, I mean, I make like huge batches of broth. And so there's that momentum of I have a gallon of broth in my fridge. You know what? I really feel like I could make soup tonight Mm -hmm. as opposed to what should I have? I don't know. Like there's all these barriers to entry when you're trying to make homemade food. But if you already have like that one little step of having a ton of broth on hand. Mm -hmm. 
and it's not expensive at all. And you're like, you know what? I could probably make a double batch of soup. Right. And, and then you're like eating healthy all week or freezing it or whatever. So it, I feel like that's like the little push down the hill that can kind of snowball into even more good choices. So that's one of my favorites. Um, cooking with dry beans and making homemade yogurt are a couple more that I do just because they, again, they save so much money. And so that can free up budget space for maybe making some different kinds of choices at the grocery store too yeah okay yeah because that can be also very motivational I think Mm -hmm. you know I I've never been a rah-rah environmentalist type I'm not motivated by that you know but uh, but I am motivated like I realized years ago I'm I'm green because I'm cheap you know, like yes. I, I'll hang my clothes outside. I'll reuse things. I won't buy disposable because it's more expensive, or you know, all of that. And I, then I find that the more you do it, the more it feels, um, you know, like it makes sense. You know, like it, it's something that is a, a natural choice. It is. And I think that's funny that you said you're not a like rah-rah green girl. I think, you know, some can push it really far. But if you think about it from a Catholic stewardship perspective, right. you know, God really did give us the earth. And if we're just constantly throwing away little plastic yogurt cups or little plastic whatevers, mm-hmm. we're really making, I mean, it, it sounds almost cliche, but every move we make has such an impact in the world. You know, when we talk about confession and sin and the, the ripple effect that every sin can have, every everything we do can have a positive or negative effect mm-hmm. on the future and on the now. So I love that. I, I love that kind of image in my head. I can picture like cans and jugs and all this stuff not going into landfills right. because I'm not buying single serve stuff. Exactly. I think that makes a ton of sense. And and I love that you approach it from our faith perspective because that is so it's so meaningful that we're we're meant to see ourselves as part of a bigger picture, not just this is this is the world and it's all about me or all about my family and our little home and if we throw away this stuff we'll never see it again. You know, right. just having a more global perspective, I think the church really encourages us to do that in you know and be responsible in that way, even if it will never affect you, you know, personally, right. whether you use the reusable or not or whatever. But having that perspective that it's it's more than just about me. And um, I'm a part of a greater community here and I'm responsible for it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so easy. Like, here's a really simple example of making a big impact with a tiny, tiny choice, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. let's just take one napkin. Okay, you could go to reusable napkins, but that's kind of a big step. It's not really a baby step. It it changes your routine. Mm -hmm. But you could also say, you know what? I'm going to try to use one napkin for two meals every time I use a napkin. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you've cut 50% of your napkin waste. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's uh, you know, easy. Like, it's a tiny, tiny thing, but it's kind of a big number. If you like, if you could cut 50% of your waste in a couple areas, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting to really make, a, again, a snowball effect and really get rolling. Right. Right. I love that. I, and I love the idea that it just takes that one first step because that's something I've talked a lot about on the podcast, not necessarily with regard to this topic, but whatever goal you have, whether it's like a fitness goal or a health goal or a spiritual goal, like sometimes the biggest problem is doing the first thing, you know, and then, yes. and then once you do, it's like, oh, now I'm doing it. And it, that was the biggest obstacle is getting started. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, I want to, I want to move on to the course because I'm really intrigued by this idea of inviting young children into your kitchen to cook. <laughs> Cause I've done that for many years now with varying degrees of success, um, with varying degrees of trepidation, um, sometimes really freaking out and losing my temper and kicking everybody out of the kitchen. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear your inspiration for the course and, and what your, your mission and your goal is with regard to it. 
Yeah, well, I have to say first that I've been there too. I've lost my temper. <laughs> I've kicked the kids out. So know that I'm I'm definitely not like some kitchen miracle or something. I I really I don't don't always love having my kids in the kitchen, but but it's part of that bigger picture too, right? Like we have a vocation as moms to to raise kids to be faithful, to raise kids to be competent adults, to to be productive adults. You know what I mean? Like right. so we're are constantly every minute of our day we're raising adults. And so how, you know, what do we want our kids to be able to do as adults? And so for me, because healthy living is important to me, I need to be able to build that sustainability mm-hmm. into my kids so that they don't go off to college and be like, sweet, I'm out of the house now. You know, I can <laughs> eat whatever I want. Or so that's like a mental, you know, the mental thing of teaching them about food. But then if they don't know how to cook, even if they wanted to, mm-hmm. You know, they'd either go broke trying to buy like healthy prepackaged food for sure, um, or they just would fail. So I see it as like building blocks to building competent, healthy adults. Um, and I had a I had an experience that kind of brought it all to the forefront when my oldest was in fourth grade. He did a how-to speech at the end of the year and chose to make guacamole, mm-hmm. which was fun. It was really cool, and I was like, "Good choice." You know, I'm the food lady, so I was proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of hit me while I was watching him prepare that I had taught him to make guacamole when he was five or six. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't really learned anything else in four years. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, I think I got distracted by like having more children. And, yes. You know, life. Understandable. I, yeah. Just literally had not added to anyone's skill set in four years. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a long time in the life of a child. It's like half his life. So mm-hmm. I just, I really committed. I thought I'm going to use this summer to be really intentional about teaching my kids. And because I'm a food blogger, I decided to make it into a course as well. So Mm -hmm. the course teaches over 30 basic skills um, and there's three levels. They're kind of age levels, but really they're skill levels. So there's, there's the little kids like ages two to five. um, And then there's the intermediate level where we introduce sharp knives and the stove Mm -hmm. and the advanced level by the end of advanced, the kids can make a full meal. They're totally comfortable with a chef's knife and the stove and the oven. Nice. I like this. I like these goals. Yeah, so it's fun. I mean, and I'm I'm definitely benefiting. Like my oldest son, he really can, you know, I can delegate an entire dinner to him. Um, and it takes him forever. And he's not real good at cleaning up, but mm-hmm. it's totally a score. <laughs> wow. Okay, so t- how does the course work? It's broken up into those different groups. Um, if someone were to go and sign up, what exactly would the experience be like? Sure. Well, it's all online and all the content is accessible immediately. Um, so you can kind of set your own pace. Some some families love to do once a month. Some do once a week. Uh, we have about half our members are homeschooling families, which makes sense. They just have, you know, they're like used to teaching their kids. Um, mm-hmm. So what's really nice about it for big families, though, is that there are those three levels. So let's say you have like little kids and medium sized kids and big kids and they have enough experience in the kitchen that they can start out at the various levels. They the classes work together on a given day. So like on class one, you've got your beginner kids um, are peeling cucumbers and carrots. Your middle sized kids are making homemade ranch dip. And the older kids are learning to use a chef's knife to cut the carrots and the cucumbers. So it like all works together to make one snack. Yeah. So everyone has really worked together to make one snack or meal. And then if you don't have kids at all the ages, it still works out. Like Mm -hmm. you just, you know, grab some baby carrots for the ranch dip or the parents end up cutting with the little ones peel. Um, But in general, it's pretty, um, I do the teaching in the videos. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then as a parent, you know, we're talking sharp knives and fire. So the parent does need to be there a little <laughs> bit um, to guide the kids. The, the Obviously, the younger the children, the more the parent needs to stay involved. The older the kids, you can kind of just hover and, and help and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's all it's all in line. There's eight, eight total classes. So if you were doing it weekly, it would be like an eight-week class. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. And now this course, I think you've got a deadline coming up for registering. I want to make sure we get all the information out about that. It's first of all at kidscookrealfood.com, right? Yep. Um, And then people have between now and what is it? Is it January 18th to enroll in the new course? Yep. Wednesday, January 18th. Um, we'll close registration down and I just do that so that I can do like all the marketing hoopla for a couple of weeks and then focus on the members for a while. Sure. So we'll, we'll open that back up sometime in the spring, but yes, January 18th is the last day to get in for this round. Okay. So by the time this, this podcast publishes, they'll only have a couple of days. So don't delay, get yourselves over there and check out that course, kidscookrealfood.com, also kitchenstewardship.com. All right. So Talking about this course and bringing kids into the kitchen, cooking together as a family, I think it's such a nice ideal. But do you find that there are particular um, obstacles, unique obstacles to modern families to getting everyone together to cook in the kitchen? Oh, for sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, so there's the time, obviously. Like, you you cannot invite a child into the kitchen and expect to work at the feverish pace that you need to set at 5 o'clock when dinner has to be on the table at 5.30. Right. You know, that that just doesn't work. Um, a lot of parents, myself included, don't love the mess that mm-hmm. kids make. It's, you know, it's definitely exponential growth of the mess compared to adults working. Yes. Um, and then there's, you know, there's some kids aren't aren't motivated at all. It's a huge chore and a huge wine fest if you say, hey, come on, let's let's do some kitchen stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do we do talk about different strategies to tackle each of those pain points. Um, so for the first one for time, my tip for parents, you know, whether they're using the course or whether they're just thinking, oh, I really should, you know, I should invite my kids into the kitchen, um, is don't do it at dinner time. Right. That's that's crazy town. Like either <laughs> do it, that's the worst do it. hour of the day. <laughs> exactly. So you gotta, you know, choose a weekend time or choose after school or whatever. Or, you know, if the kids are saying, Oh mom, can I help at dinner? And you're just you're having this like battle within your heart like oh I want to be the good mom and say yes and and captivate you know that motivation Mm -hmm. but I don't want you here right now (laughs) I just want to get dinner made I know that feeling so my tip there is especially once you've built a couple skills right Mm -hmm. like if you're teaching the course and you've built a couple skills um, is to assign them something for the next day Oh, nice. So like, right. So kids could be working at the table, maybe while you you still have your sacred space in the kitchen. Nobody's underfoot. But set the kids up at the table with tomorrow's snack or something for breakfast or, Mm -hmm. you know, even cutting vegetables for tomorrow's dinner or maybe for tonight's dinner, depending on their skill level. But, you know, once you've taught some skills, that's what's really cool is you can kind of set them up out of your way to do something for later. Yeah. Which really, that really helps the time thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that. Those are great ideas. And, you know, as any mom with young kids knows, 
there is that conflict, I think, between your time, between wanting to accomplish things. And some of us, I think, have a better personality for accommodating it than others. And then some more type A personalities, I think, are like, ah, and it has to come out perfect. And it won't if he's the one chopping the carrots or whatever it is. But um, I I love that you address those things in a real practical way. But circling back around to, you know, you were mentioning some kids, it'll be a wine fest if you try to get them to cook with you. Some kids, it'll be a real wine fest if you're trying to get them to eat eat healthy foods, especially mm. if your family has some bad habits that are entrenched. What, what is your advice to somebody who's finding that situation? That, I mean, it's, it's hard and you have to be intentional about it, but I guess I just, I always want to start out by encouraging parents that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like people's palates can change, rarely, rarely do adult, well, there are now, but there didn't used to be adults who were super picky and only ate chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Right. I, I do actually think now, like in kind of the millennial generation, unfortunately, we are. There are some. some yeah. <laughs> adults. Right. We don't want that. We don't want that would be, that would not be good. We've no. got to have vegetables and fruits. Um, so I think some intentionality is the first step. Like honestly, just deciding, okay, we need to, we need to make a change and we can do this, like believing that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think creating good conversation around food is a great idea. Having, you know, the dinner table be a time that you can talk about how food impacts your body and how what we eat, you know, changes the way we feel and changes our ability to fight off disease and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then having fun with it. You know, research says and experience has proven that when kids interact with food, when they have a part in growing, purchasing or preparing the food, they're more likely to give it a try. Mm-hmm. And it's so true because there's like a pride element there. Like I made this and so they don't want to be all negative about it when sure. it's served. Um, and that's one thing that I love about having my kids involved is is really building them up and creating kind of an authentic chance to build their self-esteem in front of other people, whether it's just dad at dinner or if we have um, a dinner party or go to a potluck or anything that I always try to have my kids involved so that I can specifically build them up and say, guess who helped make this or, you know, so-and-so did this part of this recipe or whatever. And they just beam. And so, so just those like positive feelings around food, I Mm -hmm. think can really help. Um, You know, they say you have to try something 10 times sometimes to like it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a bad rule to say you have to finish everything on your plate, but it's a very good rule to say you must take one bite of everything. Yeah, I like that. Just choke it down, you know, force it down, and um and it works. Like I have my I have a five year old right now, and I've found in my experience that every child is a great eater until about two two and a half, and then they all get picky. Mm-hmm. Drives me nuts, makes my head explode. And then they start to usually start to come back to the light around age five. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a long time to be patient. But it is. so with with my current five year old, his one of his little demons was broccoli. Mm-hmm. He he would see broccoli in a dish and go, "Mom, can I skip the broccoli? I see this broccoli. <laughs> like, let's negotiate this deal yeah. here. Can yeah. I can I eat everything but the broccoli? And every I mean, sometimes I'd let him skip the broccoli, but most of the time it'd be like, "Here's your little bite. Like, just get it down." Mm-hmm. And literally, just last week, he looks at me and he goes. Mom, I liked that broccoli. Oh my gosh. I almost I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, Sweet Are you victory. sure you're the right kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Yes, it finally it took two years. 
That's a real testament, though, to the, you know, the persistence and how that pays off in the end. Yep, you just gotta, you just gotta keep going and expect success, too. I think a lot of times, especially if you read kids' menus, right, we don't have very high expectations for what kids' taste buds can handle. Um, And so, so I definitely want to encourage parents to just, you know, broaden the horizons, raise the expectations. If, if you happen to be a picky eater yourself as a parent, you know, be a good example and just say, all right, I've never really liked this, but I haven't tried it in 10 years. So let's try it. Let's everybody get a bite. We'll do cheers, cheers, you know, mm-hmm. ting, and then everybody try it. Um, and it's kind of, it can be kind of fun. And actually the element of surprise mm-hmm. is a fun one too. I just did, um, I just chatted with a friend of mine, another blogger last week, and she was saying that they'll have dinner by candlelight Oh, and nice. suddenly, suddenly things that kids don't normally eat are going in just because they're not paying attention. Maybe they can't see the green thing. <laughs> they can't see that it's green. <laughs> or she'll have a, a picnic blanket in the living room or eat under the table. Like literally anything to just jolt kids out of this is normal dinner. And they forget that they don't want to try things. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, they try them. I'm like, that great. is genius. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. I love that. It's so basic. It's so simple, you know, that... Um, it seems like a, you know, kind of a no brainer, but it, you kind of need to hear that or see that example from other parents to be inspired that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I want to share is that um, a real kind of eye opening uh, situation for me as a parent was the idea that if you just make the food available in a non-demanding way, I mean, because I would like, you know, put vegetables on their plate at dinner and be like, you will eat your vegetables. And that always would turn into a battle with certain kids. But then I realized um, if like for an afternoon snack, for example, if I'm not, I don't even talk about it. I'll just cut up vegetables and put them out. Everybody will eat them. You know, <laughs> like nobody's making a demand on them. And I think sometimes it's it's that simple. Like it's how you're setting up the conversation with your kids. If you're expecting a battle and setting it up like it's a battle, and you're forcing your will upon them, then you know they're going to respond in in a rebellious way. Whereas if it's just here's what's available and here's a nice snack, if you happen to be hungry, um, really works wonders. At least in my experience. Oh, that's so true. Food can be a huge power struggle area because yeah. it's one of those things that we can't. Can't force. Right. We can't force chewing and swallowing. So they and they know that <laughs> subconsciously or consciously. Um, and you mentioned timing. That's another. I mean, that's a classic and very successful example. Is if you, you know, first of all, you can't let your kids snack all day. If they're snacking at five thirty and dinner is at six, you know, you have lost the battle already. Right. They're not going to be hungry enough to eat something that's a maybe on their list. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you got to cut them off at like four o'clock, four thirty, whenever, depending, you know, two hours or so before dinner, so that they're genuinely hungry. And then put out, you know, I'll say put out like a blended soup appetizer. That's a great way to get vegetables in is do a blended soup because then they don't know exactly what vegetables are in there. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, I would never advocate lying if they say, is there zucchini in here? Yes, there's zucchini <laughs> in there. But, but you wouldn't know it. But you can't see it right away. Mm-hmm. So it's a little less threatening. And if you serve something like that first or a platter of raw vegetables with dip or whatever, get it out there first and just kind of you're finishing up dinner and, oh, guys, if you want to have an appetizer, go for it or whatever. They're hungry and in it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it works great. Yeah. I know. Hunger's the best sauce. I forget who said that, but it's very true. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you, um, before we run out of time here, Katie, um, you know, this is cold and flu season and heavy on a lot of moms' minds, including mine. 
is the idea of protecting our, our kids from sickness this time of year and building their immunity. What are some basic things? Because, you know, I'm kind of clueless about this myself, and I've been doing research about some health and nutrition, kind of looking at, like, what kinds of foods are, are, are best for, you know, building up our immunity or what kinds of things actually, you know, work against building up our immunity? Okay. Oh, my gosh. This is such a good question. I'm going to give you three things to do and one thing to avoid. Okay. I'm ready to write it down. I'm so like, I'm super <laughs> passionate about this. This is an awesome question. Okay. So the first thing to do is don't clean too much mm-hmm. and don't clean too well. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but in, you know, in germ theory, the more you're exposed to some germs, the more your body learns to fight them. Mm-hmm. And so in a world, you know, where we're bleaching everything and we're not letting, you know, we're hand sanitizing every half hour and we're trying to kill everything, mm-hmm. um, our bodies just have no idea what to do when something actually gets through. So clean, yeah, dust, vacuum, sure. But you don't need to bring out the big guns. You don't need to clean everything with bleach. Mm-hmm all the time. Bleach is, bleach is not great for kids learning either. If they're breathing it in, there are a lot of more gentle things. So I just use like a bottle with 50-50 hydrogen peroxide in water mm-hmm. if I need to sanitize. So like the outsides of toilets, um, you know, raw chicken, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Other, otherwise, just a simple solution with a tiny bit of concentrated soap and water or a little vinegar and water will do it. Mm-hmm. You know, just a dry rag for dusting. So don't overclean. That's step one so okay. that our bodies can have some immunities. We can't freak out about germs. Yep. Um, and then a couple of things to eat that can really help. Actually, going back to that bone broth, mm-hmm. which is, again, making something out of garbage, chicken broth has immunity, like has immunity boosting fats in it. So the whole like Jewish grandmother thing, like, oh, have some chicken soup when you're sick. There's some science behind that, which is kind of exciting. I love that. Grandma's right. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't don't worry about skimming the fat off because the fat is where the immunities is. Those little yellow globules Mm -hmm. kind of floating in your your soup and making it shiny. That's a good thing. That should make you happy. Um, And then that brings me to number three is actually healthy fats are really good Mm -hmm. for your immunity. And healthy fats meaning coming from the earth, coming from plants and animals that God made, um, like butter and coconut oil. Both are very good to just kind of, I don't know, I almost think of it like putting on a winter coat in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, just eating those fats are giving you, first of all, some energy because fats give a, a longer term, longer source of energy than like, let's say a piece of white bread. Mm-hmm. Yes, energy, but it's fast and it's gone. Right. Fats are going to sustain that um, and they go really well with vegetables. Fats actually help you to assimilate all your vitamins and minerals from the vegetables and fruits you're eating, oh, wow. which is good. So it's like a double whammy. So anyway, healthy fats, butter, mm-hmm. skip skip the margarine, switch to butter if you're still doing margarine and try some coconut oil, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. By the way, you can, you can saute in coconut oil. You can yeah. also melt it and use it in place of any vegetable oil in baking. I love it. Yeah, I, I feel so. like... I love coconut oil because I'm like, I can cook with this and I can put it on my body. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's so amazing and it smells so wonderful. It just seems like such a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. I think it's great that that's kind of come back into vogue and it's, and it's okay. But it's, it's awesome too, that that really can help even, you know, just build up your immune system. Sure. Um, and then the thing to avoid would be sugar and white flour, mm-hmm. um, that those kinds of things can really knock down the immune system. And that's one of the possible reasons that people get more sick in the winter. Oh, really? Right. So we're, that's one of the possible reasons is that we, we kind of switch up what we eat. We, we go usually from eating lighter summery foods mm-hmm. to like 
you know, high carb potatoes, comfort foods, sugar and the holidays and everything. Right. And so that's one of the one of the things that knocks down our immune systems and then getting lower on vitamin D in the winter for those of us who I mean, really <laughs> most, most of America, we have less sun mm-hmm. in the winter time. So that's that's something if you want to think about like a supplement, vitamin D would be tops for immunity too. Okay, great. I love these. They're very basic, very doable things. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, nothing too outrageous. And there are no weird supplements or weird recipes. I, I love it because it's very basic. And it feels like getting back to basics, you know, that, um, I, I don't know, in, in my research in different kinds of nutrition, I'm always like, boy, how did things get so complicated, you know, about, <laughs> about how we feed ourselves? It's such a basic thing. And food is such a great gift from God that so obviously he means for us to enjoy because mm-hmm. it, it tastes good and it smells good and it looks good. And how did we mess it up so bad? I don't know. <laughs> I know. We really did. We really did. And the, and the simplest question to ask is if I say, you know, do I want to eat this? Mm-hmm. Other than does it look good? But um, it's just, is this something that people would have eaten hundreds of years ago before right. food scientists got involved? You know, is this something that that is part of God's creation or part of man's creation? And so that's kind of my like yes, no litmus test. I like that. Yeah. I once heard a food author who said, you know, ask yourself, would my great grandmother think this is food? And <laughs> well, that's mm-hmm. a good question. You know, not probably not the Gogurt. You know, she might she might not recognize that as edible. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, kinda, oh, what is that coming out of the tube? I know. <laughs> so really, yeah, I think that's so important. A good a good simple way to kind of keep it basic and get us back to the basics. All right. Well, before we have to go, Katie, I want to give you a chance. Can you again just run through the details about um, the course that's available, the deadline, and how people can find out more about it? Absolutely. So the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is open for registration through January 18th. You can find everything you need to know at kidscookrealfood.com. Um, and also, speaking of basics, I, I actually give my knife skills class for all ages free nice. during this registration time. So that's a totally basic skill. It's actually a 10-minute class where kids from ages 2 to teen can learn to use the right kind of knife, obviously, dull or sharp. Um, and we just use really fun phrases that are memorable and safe. like it. So. Okay. Well, so get over there and check it out and kitchenstewardship.com for all things Katie Kimball. Thank you so much, Katie, for all that you do and all that you share so generously um, online and um, through interviews like this. I really appreciate your open and generous spirit. And thanks for taking the time to come on today. Thank you, Danielle. It's fun to talk about my passions and get to include the Catholicism part too. I love it. Well, God bless you in everything you do. You too. So, I love Katie, and I need to apologize to Katie and to you. I mixed up my dates. I think I originally meant to use this podcast interview last week and have Eileen this week so that you'd still have time to register for that e-course, but I still want to encourage you to go and check out Katie Kimball's kitchenstewardship.com because the e-course is something that she runs on a regular basis and um, there are ways that you can sign up to get notified of when that's available again. So again, I apologize that you missed it this time around, but I'm hoping you will go and connect with Katie and make sure you're on board for the next time that she's offering that course. And in the meantime, she's got an awesome blog with recipes and tips and ideas, and she shares all over social media. So you'll want to check out everything that Katie is offering. So check that out and get connected. You'll be so glad that you did. 
Okay, so before we wrap up the show, I want to say thank you to listener Mary, who left me a lovely voicemail. She asked me not to share it on the show, um, so I'm not going to do that. But thank you, Mary. I really appreciate you sharing from your heart, and I'm going to be praying for you. I also want to give shout-outs to people who've been supporting the podcast in various ways. Waltrode Joan left an awesome five-star review on iTunes. You can do that, too, and it means a lot, and it helps me get the word out about Girlfriends. It helps more people to discover girlfriends and join us here in this community. You can leave a review on iTunes. That means a lot. You can make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. That's also very helpful for the podcast. Or you can share the link on social media, or you can just tell somebody in real life. Word of mouth means the most when it comes to recommending things. I know I always count on my friends to let me know what they're enjoying, what they're listening to. I love to get recommendations for podcasts. So don't hesitate to share the show with friends and family and people who you know might appreciate it. Also, I want to thank my newest Patreon supporters, Monique, Tracy, and Gigi. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you supporting the podcast. You give me the motivation and the encouragement and the affirmation I need to do this week after week. So if you appreciate what we do here at Girlfriends, if you want to see it continue, if you want to encourage it, and if you want to be a part of our group conversation with our Girlfriends live session that's going to be happening once a month on an ongoing basis, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E eon.com forward slash girlfriends and check out all the details for as little as a dollar per episode. That's a tiny pledge. You can be a part of all of that as well as encouraging the production of this podcast to continue. So thank you so much. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your notes. If you want to leave me a voicemail, you can go to daniellebean.com and click that leave voicemail tab. Or we can connect on Voxer, my link to my Voxer account, which is an awesome app. If you don't know it, check it out. You will be glad you did. So you can get that in the show notes at daniellebean.com. Or you can always use old-fashioned email and send me a note, danielle at daniellebean.com. You know I love hearing from you. I'd love to hear your ideas for the show and your feedback on this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I love sharing this time with you and I'm looking forward to doing it again in another week. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.